coming to you from deep inside the relatable content department at GQ style. <laughs> this is corporate lunch. What are we if not relatable? What are we if not content? <laughs> the content overfloweth. We are what we make. Yeah. Um, what episode is this? The 136. Welcome to it. 38. You blacked out for 109 episodes. This is episode 136. <laughs> One day, I can only dream. You got men in blacked. Um, I think I'm ready for t- today's episode. You are? Yeah. I am. As ready as I'm going to be. You're in the hot seat. Big time. You're always in the hot seat. I put myself in the hot seat on this on this one. Yeah. Uh, for the new issue of GQ Style, I wrote an editor's letter called My Balls and My Word. Hmm. We were taking it off the page and into the pod. The editor letter, letter letter brought to life. Yeah, this in is a it. Sense. Here we are. We're not going to bring all of it to life because that could get a little gnarly. <laughs> it could get a little. We're giving uh, the story life. It, it could get a little anatomical. What? Wh- so it's a pretty anatomical editor's letter. My balls. And my word. And my word. Yeah. Somebody, can I tell you the best, <laughs> the best social media feedback I got on uh, the editor's letter titled "My Balls and My Word" <laughs> was "Love the Young Bleed reference." <laughs> I don't get that. Young Bleed is a rapper who had an album or a mixtape or something called "My Balls and My Word," and I'm <laughs> like, dude, they took it from Scarface. Young Bleed took it from Scarface. Oh. It's not a Young Bleed reference or right. Young Lean. Somebody Young. Yeah, it's a Scarface reference. Kids got to get their references straight. I just thought kids had that one. Like, yeah. you know. Yeah. I didn't know if they, like, had their... I don't know if kids have their references straight, but I, I sure thought they had seen Scarface and were aware, were aware of the famous, <laughs> the most famous utterances of Tony Montana. Well, I, I didn't... When I saw... Just speaking of that headline, I didn't know what, what was I was in store for when, yeah. I, when I read it. Yeah. Because... Turns out it was very literal. Yeah. It was literal. And... I learned about your experience and the story you tell in this letter when I read the first draft of it. Yep. Uh, so basically, I mean, the gist of the gist of what happened, the editor's letter come to life is um, we were shipping the final issue of GQ Style. Mm-hmm. I was preparing to move from the Burbs to uh, Brooklyn. Back to Brooklyn. Back, back, back to Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and um, I was had been in Paris prior, doing some shoots, doing some doing some fashion shoots. And um, while in the bathroom of my hotel room, I noticed a uh, strange hardness in my testicle. Mm -hmm. And I thought, shit, man, I need to look into this when I get back to New York. Mm -hmm. So I came back to New York. We're now in the week that I'm talking about where we're shipping the fall issue of GQ Style with Tyler, the creator, on the cover. And um, amidst everything else, I like had had gotten a referral from a, a really great doctor I'd been to recently yeah. for a urologist. I told that doctor what was going on, like very in plain words, said I have a strange hardness in my <laughs> testicle. Mm-hmm. Now I've even put out there which one it is. <laughs> God damn it. That might be too much. Sam, bleep it out. Um, uh, shit, man. This is just getting... Uh, I've, once you open the can of personal anatomical words we're going just all gets in. worse and Wait, worse it's, we're only a few minutes in this episode I haven't, I, I haven't even started asking questions yeah. yet i'm screwed um anyway so uh uh as soon as i was back to new york I, I went to the doctor it was a tuesday i was like yeah you know i'm gonna go check the, get this checked out yeah. i'm i'm happy i'm going to get it checked out so we, i can solve this i'm yeah. sure it's no big deal like most doctor's appointments they're like oh yeah we need to do x y and z no big right. deal uh, I went to the doctor. I could tell pretty quickly that um, it could be serious. Yeah. By the tone of the doctor's response? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just by his overall tone. And he was kind of like, you know, he put he put where this is going is it turned out a testicular cancer. Okay. So he put the, C, the big C word. He dropped the C word early. Yeah. And with some uh, no uncertain amount of authority, uh-huh. and I was like, "Okay, mm-hmm. wow, that is on the table." And yeah, he, and he's not just—he's not like uh, prepping me for a worst case scenario. He's like, he just said that for right. real. So I noted that as we're rocking along, um, he checks me out, and he's like, "We need to get an ultrasound and some blood work, and possibly a CAT scan." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Okay, no problem." 
So uh, I go, uh, finish the doctor's appointment, go down to the ultrasound, which is an intensely personal experience. Uh Um, They check me out with the ultrasound device. You're aware of what ultrasound involves. Well, it's yeah, how you look inside of someone to see what's... Yeah, like in there. W- like but yeah, for so f- lots of gel. So for a pregnant woman, and a magic wand. Yeah, the most frequent the most frequent form of ultrasound I would imagine is for pregnancies. Yes. So they put a gel, they put gel on a woman's belly yeah. and then they wave the magic wand over the gel and yep. they can see what's inside. Creates an image. So just imagine that like for your junk yep. and it's it's intense. Mm-hmm. So I did that and then I Came back to work and the doctor was like, I'm actually going to have the results like right away. So I'll read them and call you. And I'm like, cool, no problem. And he was basically like, if the hardness that, that, that we're both aware of is in your epididymis, it's nothing and we'll leave it. If it's in your actual testicle, it's cancer. Yeah. So it was just like right There's down. not a whole bunch of things it could be. Nah. Yeah. It's either like you're good or you're not good. Right. So um, I'm in a meeting. I'm in a GQ meeting. And I get a call from the doctor, mm-hmm. and I step out, and I take it, mm-hmm. and he's like, yeah, it's in your testicle. It's statistic- It's effectively – we don't know for sure until we go in there and take it out and biopsy it, but right. it's effectively testicular cancer. And then, so I was, like, looking out the window, like, wow, man, I have cancer. Mm-hmm. So that's that was, like, a very – I think I sat there for about 180 seconds, mm-hmm. three minutes. I was gazing out my window just, like, processing. Mm-hmm. I it's cancer. a pretty, pretty definitive – uh, new sort of thing to add to your name title. Yeah, you know. Yeah, very. Yeah, I need business cards printed yeah. up. <laughs> At this point, given how deep I'm going <laughs> on this, I might as well have some damn business cards. Um, and yeah, I mean, from there, the rest is in the letter. You know, I got a, I got positive results from the blood that I had taken mm-hmm. in, in that first appointment, and then I went back in on Wednesday night for a CAT scan, got those results on Thursday. Those were also positive, positive. There was also clean. Yeah, and that's when I like started breathing a little bit easier, yeah. and then I had surgery to remove, um, the testicle in question mm-hmm. the following the week. One. Uh, the testicle, <laughs> the anonymous testicle in question the following week. And then I um, began the healing process. But so it was that Thursday night after the CAT scan results came back that I wrote the editor's letter, which had to go to the printing press on Friday. It all happens super fast it was a it was a wild roller coaster on a very short track i want to ask you a lot about um deciding to do that and the actual process of writing that and and but i also want to go back into the story a little bit and unpack some of this experience because i think there's a lot that that sort of happened to you that when you're not in your situation you kind of don't really know so the first thing i wonder is the hardness locating the hardness and you hear people say same with with women that you should you should uh, inspect yourself and yeah, check like for women lumps. should be do breast exams. That's right. Men, men should do scrotal exams. Prob- women probably do it more often than men do that. But- I think it's this is this is purely conjecture and presumption, but I think it's fair to assume that women are in better touch with their bodies overall right. than men. In- yeah. In in general, yeah, and that and and breast cancer has been more publicly, yes, uh, has had larger campaigns and yeah. and marches and and lots of um, stuff that's all awesome. But I also need to fact check this, but I also think breast cancer probably again purely by the numbers is more lethal, yeah. than testicular cancer. Was there something else that did it hurt that made you feel there? Like how so, did, were you? intentionally conducting a self-exam was it you happen to just kind of knock into something that felt off no i didn't knock into anything it was more like um yeah just like washing up yeah just like taking care of basic hygiene yeah but like it was not a, it was not a, a self-exam in my mind yeah i was just doing my business but i guess with some amount of mindfulness mm-hmm. that i noticed and then this i think might have been psychosomatic but once I noticed it, yeah, it started to feel a little uncomfortable. Uh-huh. But I didn't know, even at the time, I was like, I could just be imagining this now that I've noticed that something, I know that something abnormal is going on. Yeah. It didn't. There was no question in your mind. This is how naive I was. Mm-hmm. I didn't, it didn't cross my mind that I had testicular cancer until the doctor said it. Really? No. 
I just was not that like yeah I'm a I'm aware of testic you know I know it's a thing yeah, I know yeah. that like it's fairly common among young men actually turns out that uh so I don't forget to say this later that the ages are I'm 37 years old the ages yeah. the, the age range for testicular cancer is 18 to 35 so I'm actually old for this particular form of cancer yeah um anyway the uh uh, it that didn't really cross my mind. Yeah, I just thought I had something to. But there was no solve. ambiguity about it. Like I feel like some people might have the experience of like, is that something? Have I always had that? Was that always there? Was there? I mean, it, it's hard to imagine until I you, have until tons of experience with my nuts and limited experience with <laughs> other nuts. Mine have like a pretty like like ovular. There's not much irregularity. There's not a lot of irregularity. There's not and, a topographical sort of uh, texture to them. Yeah, this felt <laughs> irregular and it felt and it felt abnormally hard. Yeah. So it was with certainty that it wasn't something that had long been there or yeah, know, like my my mind did not go to a to a uh, what's the what's the word I'm looking for like to a dramatic place. Yeah. I was like, this is probably something really straightforward, but it's something. Yeah. Did you tell anybody before you went to the doctor? Yeah, my wife. Yeah. Yeah. I said, I noticed this. I'm getting a um, uh, doctor's appointment. I'm going in. And she was kind of like, she kind of like lightly, considerately followed up with me to make sure that I was doing what I said I was going to do. Yeah. Um, Did the, was the doctor, I, is, was there any way for you to get a sense of like how, how much time had passed since it had maybe occurred? In other words, you just noticed it that day. Yeah. Does that mean that it had appeared ex- very recently? I didn't ask him that, but in the same way that I sort of noticed in the normal course of business, yeah, I think I would have noticed. Right. That's what I'm wondering. So when I when I told him what I just told you, yeah, and I didn't say like how long, because a, a very fair question would be how long does it take for a mass like this to form? Yeah. I would still like to know that, and I don't where 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 we sit right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I told him what exactly what I just said, he was like, "It seems that you've caught this early." Yeah. But it was kind of like, "We'll see." It seems you've caught this early, but we'll see. Yeah. And then it increasingly, well, you you don't know with this stuff, but it increasingly seems like like when the blood work was clean, that was further encouragement that I caught it early. When the CAT scan was clean, that was much more encouragement. Yeah. And the cat scan, to be clear, they uh, you drink this like stuff that that lights you up from the inside. Right. It's like ammonia and other things. Um, no, no, iodine and other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you go into the CT scanner, and it like lights up your insides. Uh, well, there's both an IV and you drink. It's almost like a Gatorade. Yeah, and everything lights up inside, and then they can see your nodes and see if there's anything abnormal going on. So that was like the big relief yeah that there wasn't anything weird in any of my lymph nodes which would suggest spread yeah um the scary thing is as soon as cancer is on the table so our radiation and, ke- and chemotherapy yeah radiation would most likely be like more of a targeted um attack yep um and then chemotherapy is just like you know there there are various forms of chemotherapy it's constantly evolving but that's a hardcore experience yeah that um i was hoping not to do either you kind of the the three the three um treatments are essentially the first one's not really treatment you just track it carefully Mm -hmm. the second if 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 uh there's there's if there are causes for worry you go to radiation and if there are like active problems you go to chemotherapy yeah um and you won't have to do either of those for now yeah i i i I do the first one like i go back in november Mm -hmm. to do blood work again okay and the ct scan again yeah and then you like hope for the best and i think i'll go probably we'll see i mean like i'll do whatever the doctor tells me to do but it's something along the lines of like four times a year for two years and then maybe two or three times on the third year so the farther you get away from it the less frequently you have to look at it but i presume i'll be tracking this like indefinitely how was the experience overall with with the doctors and the process i mean obviously the cancer the c word is such a, a big and heavy thing but it's also very common yeah um did did you feel like you were suddenly being treated uh with a certain level of severity and seriousness that you had never experienced before 
There, um, was there a certain or, or was it sort of routine feeling in the sense that, yes, this is important, but also incredibly common and, and we're going to yeah. handle this as we do probably daily for, for yeah. those doctors and nurses? Like, what was that experience like? It was pretty balanced and, and I give them credit. There's a couple of things I want to say here. One is, and we can come back to this if it's appropriate, but um, my feeling, I, I was like proud that I had caught it quickly yeah because i'm aware that if this had happened to me like in the heart in the dead center of the testicular cancer wheelhouse yeah in my in my early mid-20s i probably would have been way less proactive yeah and so i felt both lucky it's weird thing to say but it was i felt lucky that it happened to me late the better way to think of it is i've felt i'm super grateful that i'm now in a place where i like am in touch with what's going on with my body and if something is up i go seek treatment unabashedly and quickly yeah uh there are others examples of this this is just the one that happened to like reveal something gnarly yeah the other thing i want to say is that uh i'm incredibly lucky to have a job with healthcare yeah like it wasn't there was not a financial issue for me yeah. to be getting really high quality help right. and i was just paying copays yep. and so that is like a huge part of this and um i think if you you didn't have to like overthink the treatment and stuff you were going to do what needed to be done and you knew that you could it would it be was handled within your means it, it, i i you know um the the first doctor i saw uh was not in my network and he referred me to a doctor who was Mm -hmm. once it became clear that like surgery and stuff like that that's incredibly expensive was going to be in play yeah so um you know i it's it's this interesting combination of like being well gratitude is like the central theme of all of it but i was like grateful to be in a place where i'm taking care of myself grateful to be privileged to have healthcare yeah and then i think you know the other side of that is if you don't have healthcare, you have to be even more on top of this stuff right and oh um, yeah i mean we all need to be all the way on top of this it's kind of funny to say like somebody needs to be more on top of it than other but like i can't imagine what it would be like to on top of processing this information to be worrying about how to pay for it you know so that's just like um, and that, if you're doing that and you're putting things off, things are only going to get more expensive. You know what I mean? Like you're getting charged interest on that absolutely. time you're wasting or, and, or, or time you're delaying because you don't know what to do or can't do what you need to do. And you're in, in danger. Yeah. I was going to say putting yourself in danger, but you're not really putting yourself in danger. Like yeah. in theory, we should all have access to good health care. Not yeah. even in theory. We just all should. So anyway, I, that that was like um, – Again, like I said, gratitude was like a, a feeling. It's it's a funny thing to to make cancer to to have to get diagnosed with cancer and to be awash in gratitude through the process. Mm-hmm. But that's what it was like for me. Um, and then I forget your initial question. I was wondering about the sort of being how the how they ah, handled you. Yeah, you that's know? Did important. They, did they put their cancer gloves on when they were uh, de- <laughs> dealing with your case? A little bit. So it was like. Um, it was a the right. It was a helpful for me um, combination of seriousness. This yeah. is cancer, yeah. Uh, but the statistics for testicular cancer, and then the statistics for the specifics of my case yeah. within that within that cancer were all like incredibly positive. Yeah. So there was a lot of relief in that. Now you don't ever know. Like statistics are just like odds. You can be on the right or the wrong side of the odds, and that is what, like, keeps you and your wife and your mom and all that stuff up at night. Right. Um, Even once you've gotten a positive prognosis. Um, But they were just – it was simultaneously, like, this is serious, and, like, and we see this every day, and it went from, like, this is – not going to kill you, but we have to talk about radiation and chemotherapy. Yeah. This, the, the odds are this is not going to kill you, but we have to talk about radiation and chemotherapy to like slowly over the course of, well, not slowly because it all happened very fast, but like it seemed quickly like chemotherapy was becoming less likely. Mm-hmm. And then maybe we can even get out of this without radiation. Okay. 
now the official recommendation is to track it. Yeah. And that only came back after I'd had the surgery. They had mm. uh, removed the testicle, biopsied the cancer, and we were clear on exactly oh. what type of cancer it was and all that. Uh-huh. So, yeah. So a big part of the Ed letter, um, what it sort of gets at, other than sharing this experience and a and, um, bit of a call to action, is the mental aspect of it. Yeah. Um, which obviously has multiple layers, but in those, you talk about getting that call during that meeting. Yeah. Um, how did, where did your mind go? You know, you took those three minutes to look out the window, but then, but then you got back to work. You didn't, you didn't leave and, um, I don't, I don't know, you know, like reinvent your life in some like dramatic fashion or, yeah. or, or, or decide, realize suddenly that you'd been doing it all wrong all yeah. along and, and you need some drastic change. Um, like where did your, how did your mindset sort of evolve as you learned about it and kind of began to like process life in, in whatever way yeah. it took you? I think like something I didn't really write about in the editor's letter was like, I did go back into that meeting after three minutes, but I, uh, as part of some combination of like my maturation and my like, spiritual and personal evolution practice Mm -hmm. involves things like being able to simultaneously like be present in a meeting and be working on something like processing news like this. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. So it wasn't like I gave it three minutes and then I kicked it to the (laughs) curb and got back to the business of making GQ great. Yeah. yeah, It was not that, that at all. It was just like a really, I felt after three minutes, like, okay, I heard, I've heard, I'm off that call and I've heard what the call had for me. Yeah. Like I have cancer and three minutes of solitude staring out the window, like not thinking about the rest of my life or like the day to day of being at work or anything like that was enough for me to say, okay, this is real. Here we are. I get to deal with this reality now. Yeah. And, um, you know, I went back into the meeting. I was both participating in the meeting meaningfully and, like continuing with processing this and in a way it was like kind of interesting and positive to be both like um back to normal like doing what I was going to be doing anyway and like just really having this for myself and beginning to work through it yeah yeah um and then you know from there it was like an evolution and the biggest leap was deciding to like fully make this public by writing about it in GQ style and I GQ style as listeners of this podcast probably know is like a very personal thing to me and to us. Mm -hmm. And so it felt like an appropriate, um, format to share. Yeah. The other thing that happened is I sat down in front of my computer. The Ed letter had to go to the printing press the next day, which is not (laughs) advisable. And I was staring at a blank page and like, this is the only thing I could think about. Yeah. And so I had to like, um, either walk across that bridge or like kind of fake my way through the editor's letter. Yeah. I just didn't have anything else to say. We never fake shit in GQ. We don't like for real. That would have like been like, to me that would have been, um, I don't know. That would have been much harder for me than it is. Like people knowing I got one nut. Yeah. There was also an interesting aspect to like dealing with that. Like I'm going to tell, not the world because the world doesn't give a shit, but I'm going to tell like the people that care about what we do um, about this. And like, maybe if you Google me, this was something I I, like stopped on when I was (laughs) thinking through it. Like it's one thing for like dedicated readers, somebody who will go pay 1499 for GQ style to find this out like in the context of the magazine. But I was like, shit, man, like it's possible (laughs) that if somebody like Googles me, This will be like you like very early on. You'll see like a few pictures of me, and you'll be like, "Oh, he's got one nut." Yeah. And I was like, "Shit, that's like that's intense." Yeah. So I thought about that for a little bit. Um, but part and you of made it, a good point when we were talking about it at some point when you were like, "It's just part of the anatomy." Like if it was skin cancer. Yeah, Bob it, Marley had you know the CIA yeah. gave Bob Marley toe cancer. <laughs> that's right, exactly. Like it's not that different. Like, yeah. It, yeah, if that was any any if there was any reluctance about the this particulars of the. Uh, Anatom- anatomical situation it's sort of not really worth that being a reason fuck to, it to man hold back. fuck it i got like i got one of the i caught one of the most 
positive health, like mentally healthiest cases of the fuckets I've ever had. Yeah. I was just like, you know what, man? Like, there's no shame in, there's no shame in any kind of cancer. There's no shame in fucking breast cancer or ball cancer. Just because we grew up making like playground jokes about nuts and stuff. Like we all walk around with clothes on and you know, our private parts are private, but there's nothing shameful about like your genitalia or something being weird about your nuts or like life happening to you. Like I've got a big scar across my back from something I did when I was in my early twenties and stupid. And I got this huge cut and now I have a scar on my back. Mm -hmm. There's nothing embarrassing or shameful about having a scar on your back. Yeah. It's also, as far as I'm concerned, there's nothing embarrassing about having one nut and a little scar I assume I'll have a scar on like my top, like kind of inner, like pelvic. They take it out from the top, right? Yeah, the yeah. They no, go you up. can't, dude. He was, <laughs> he was telling me what happens if they cut into your scrotum. No, what happens? All fucking hell breaks loose, man. <laughs> no. Yeah, luckily they can, luckily they can uh. get down in there, because what happens is when you're a baby, your testicles develop up by your kidneys and then yeah. they drop. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. there's like a path down, which means there's right. a path up. They've done it before. Yeah. They went down, they can come back they up. They went in reverse. So, yeah, man, they, they don't cut into your I've heard them. that one can choose to uh, have a prosthetic. Yeah. An implant. Yeah, I if, don't have if, one. If, if, if while we're, while, we're, while we're getting into it, I do not have a... I, like, Did, was that offered to you? They Yeah, totally. That was a discussion. Yeah, and yeah. you kind of got to decide before the surgery because they, oh, they, they do don't want to go back in there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I see. It's like, you know, it's... Yeah. it's they were like, this surgery is not a big deal. It was kind of traumatic, the were, surgery. Yeah. I found it pretty, I found it pretty intense. W- were you I think awake? I, no, hell yeah. no. Okay. It's general anesthesia, so mm-hmm. they, they knock you out. I did leave that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I woke up. Uh, my wife was there. Um, I was kind of tried to leave a few times, but wasn't really, uh, hadn't really shaken off the Dilaudid yet. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, yeah, then I did, I did, you know, I was back at home that night. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think that I've fully, man, I totally get it if um, if a prosthetic is the right move for you. Yeah. But it wasn't for me. Yeah. I just felt like, like the scar on my back, this, like, life has happened to me and this is where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And just going on that to run. You got and, some good... Um- the Ed letter went up online on, on GQStyle.com. It's there now to read, also in the fall issue for you to buy and read. Yeah. You got some pretty good. What were some of your favorite social media interactions? Oh, damn. I thought you were going to say you got some pretty good jokes off. <laughs> you did. You did. <laughs> That's what I wanted that to be. Um, man, this uh, one, somebody, shout out to whoever, at whoever on Twitter, he was like, he was like, yo, man, I had the same surgery. We should collaborate. We'd make a good pair. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And I like the idea that like me and that dude working on something <laughs> between us, we've got like a full set you of nuts. Set. <laughs> no, shout out to that. That was hilarious. Um, uh, it was just, there was so much support. Um, yeah, there was. Yeah, there how was, did that change the whole scenario for you or did it i mean you went from it totally sharing did. it with a few of us here at work obviously the letter was we, we we all saw it that way for the most part and then friends and family heard from you but then suddenly it was very quickly into your experience with it it was quite out there yeah like fully on twitter and instagram yeah um it was interesting because i found that in in the process of sharing with very close family and friends i found that that felt good yeah they like it's it's weird you know i think when you're sharing something like this if you're like pretty self-reflective as i hope to be as i try to be you like are like is it weird to like you know i'm trying to i'm like checking the rts and the likes on my like Uh ball cancer piece yeah 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 so you know that whole process is weird but i found i found as i was it's not weird. It's revealing, but ultimately it was like so much positivity came back and the positivity came starting when I let some friends and like really close friends and family know. And I think they felt like appreciative. These are people who love me. They just like want to know what's going on. Right. And they don't care if it's good, bad or ugly or indifferent. And 
so when I was like reaching out to people and being like really forthright, like, mm-hmm. Hey, I have testicular. Well, first I, I, I started by saying I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Like spoiler alert. Yeah. Like it all seems to be good. Although I was letting people know at various stages in the process. So there were some people I told when I didn't really know shit. Yeah. Um, anyway, it felt good to share throughout and that extended to when I shared online and there was, um, I can, I've only noticed one comment thing online that could be potentially perceived as trolling. Mm-hmm. Only one out of Not a bad. lot of feedback for the internet. Yeah, when the internet <laughs> that's miraculous. When the internet is batting nine ninety nine. Yeah, that's like means something positive has happened, and so that I just and I, you know it's like. I didn't like spiral into depression or fear or anything like that. And part of it is, like I said, I, I, I want to be balanced about the cancer is such a heavy word. Yeah. And when you call somebody and say, I have cancer, like they can just burst like scary motherfuckers with tattoos who don't cry for shit can just like burst into tears. Yeah. It's like a heavy, it's a heavy thing. That's right. And that's a heavy thing when somebody says you, when the doctor says you have cancer. So it's intense and there's no two ways around it, but there was and de- like as I wrote about in the letter, confronting mortality happens when somebody says you have cancer. Yeah. But the the chances that this was ever gonna like knock me off were always very slim. Yeah. And the chances that I was gonna come out of this without chemo or radiation were always like pretty good. Yeah. And so um, I hope that in in all the ways that I've dealt with this pub- publicly and semi-publicly and privately, it's been balanced as far as the severity. Yeah. Because worse shit happens to people every day. But um, there was just really like an outpouring of support. There were some bad ball jokes. There mm-hmm. were some really funny ball jokes. Did you get like a, 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 a fist bump or something from Lance Armstrong? I got an RT. All right. I got an <laughs> RT from Lance Armstrong. Yeah. Thanks. Shout out to Lance. Yeah, friend of the pod. Um, Have you thought at all about? Um, I I also I yeah. do I do respect him for being like, he's like the poster boy for ball cancer. Yeah, for sure. And um, and being a super famous person, you're a medium famous person. He uh, medium. <laughs> he got, he yeah. took a ton of jokes. Yeah, I mean, like yeah. I have cracked Lance Armstrong ball jokes yeah. probably in the past. You totally. know, which is a. A weird thing, but if you thinking of it now as a more mature person and and close to someone who's gone through this experience, it's yeah. kind of like fuck yeah, you know he was ex- very public about it, and 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 why shouldn't he have been? Why wouldn't he have been? So right on to Lance, man. My uh, a friend of mine called me and he was like, I know you're not like big into bikes, but if you get into bikes, I bet you could go fast. <laughs> 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 that was a pretty good one. Shout out to Jason, um, super friend of the pod. Have you um, thought about, um, like, now you're part of a new community, right? Okay, yeah. So, um, God knows I'll never tell, but people will, like, be like, yeah, man, I only got one, not two. Yeah. People that you know really well but just didn't know. Yeah. And those people, I think, um, there there are a few that I've, that I've heard from in this process, both uh-huh. that I knew and didn't know, uh-huh. and they seemed like especially appreciative yeah because like maybe i'm by by writing about it and putting on social media and all the scary things i in some way have like after the fact helped normalize the way that they've felt throughout for sure and people have gone through this experience you know uh probably didn't have a ton of stories to to read and to sort of share in like this i mean i'm sure there's lots out there blog posts and probably lots of articles have been written but you know when something sort of high profile comes out that's very you know it's the ed letter of the magazine it's you know it's uh super personal i mean that can only feel good to for those who have been through this experience and experiences like it and people who had experiences close to yours but went differently you know i mean like there's so many different versions of this that totally that can touch people um i also should give an anonymous shout out to a really rad uh, uh, family member of a friend who talked me through this whole process from his perspective. And he actually caught some bad breaks in terms of the, um, uh, the statistics. Mm. So he had similar 
statistics that I did and caught the wrong side of them. Mm -hmm. And just talking to him, man, it it was really early on. It was like uh, my friend put us in touch right after I found out. And he just like broke it down for me. And he was like, in a way, he lived not my worst case scenario, but like a bad case scenario. And to hear that and to hear him that he's fine, he's okay. He went went through chemotherapy. He's got kids, you know, the whole thing was like super uplifting for me. Mm-hmm. And then, um, um, you know, I've t- spoken to friends who have more pernicious cancer and don't have the positive prognosis I have. They were super supportive. Yeah. You know, is there's just been a whole mix. And basically it's like, I guess, you know, I sharing personal stuff is not necessarily my instinct. And over the course of these events, I wound up doing that in this case. And I'm just like, again, really grateful that I did because of like, when I put it out there, everything that came back was so positive. And I like have my health and I'm like healing up yeah. and, and all that shit. So there's a um, funny that's little, been exciting. there's a funny little lesson baked into this about just about sharing and about personal experiences, which we all now have a very weird relationship to yeah. because of social media. So you know, people share pictures of themselves and their families and their like intimate spaces, like yeah. their living rooms and their, their parents kids. and their, their parents, kids yeah. and like all this stuff you can really see. So we have, and plenty of people choose not to do that. Plenty of people do overdo it, Yep. you know, and whatever we all find like where we're comfortable with that. You're not the person that goes super personal with that stuff. Yeah. You, you share your work, yep. um, which is not, not personal, but it's different. Yep. So it's kind of funny how we have these like, ideas and we do feel we have close personal connections to to all types of people and it's like something we're all still figuring out and navigating all the time and then you took this route that's very different yeah you know like this is like it's sort of a pre it's unrelated to social media the fact that you share this story and how you share this story but it did happen within that context oh totally and that was like for me the scariest part partially because i'm like i'm not an oversharer what if i look like an oversharer yeah and then I now think I I have less judgment for people who like share really hard on the yeah, internet. Yeah. Cause like, man, yeah. Talk about relatable content department. You yeah. know, there are people who do that all the time. And, and, you know, I think it's one thing if you're an overshare and that you're just like constantly trying to stunt on people with your, with your edited, <laughs> edited lifestyle on Instagram. Yeah. Like maybe that's less interesting, but, um, for people who are just like, sharing what they're going through and super personal and emotive and all those things on social media. I'm like, I'm more down than ever with that. Cause I did it, you know, and it felt really good and it, people found a lot of positivity in it. And I personally got a lot of positivity back from it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean that was in a lot of, as far as the sharing goes, that part was scary. Yeah. That was not the scariest part of the experience, but it was a little scary for me. So you were out. You missed a couple of days of work. A weekend, and you were back at it. Yeah. You made um, gingerly. How? Shout you, out to RTH. Yeah, I was just gonna Shout say, to damn, you scooped, you scooped damn. my next question, but I was gonna say, how did your wardrobe of uh, various lounge and leisure clothing work out for you? I, mean, I don't even know if that's the right way to put it, but you know, you're, this is corporate lunch, man. You can just say, <laughs> let's get into the fits. Yeah. Let's get into the fits. The post-op fits, man. It's funny. I'm going to scoop since I scooped you and I'll now scoop one of my own vibes. Um, I have like a pretty sturdy collection of really roomy in the, in the crotch zone, <laughs> RTH pants. Yeah. Like, and by pretty sturdy, I mean, I have a ton of RTH pants yeah. that are just like, you know, there's an extra panel, for people who don't know, there's an extra panel in the in the crotch of the pants. A gusset. That, that yeah. like draw a gusset, thank you. That kind of like drops the crotch and creates all this spaciousness there. And that was like such a blessing through this time. <laughs> Not only because uh it was actually physically more comfortable for me when yeah. I was like post op, yeah. but it also just like created like a large zone of ambiguity. Because <laughs> yeah. like I just put this shit on the internet, man. Like if you see me, people are like <laughs> I know I'm talking to them about like a story or about lunch or whatever. And they're like, yeah, this they're like reprocessing like one nutted will or whatever. And I'm cool with that. (laughs) But I liked having like a whole, like just like a big spacious, vague zone. (laughs) So shout out to Renee Holgren of RTH for like being the designer for post-op 
post-op testicular yeah, good cancer. Good on you man. for amassing a collection of those pants over the years. Yeah. I know. Thank God I had them. And I'm still going hard. Yeah. Like, I, you may never see me in, like... R- regular rise trouser? Never again. <laughs> it's a wrap for that for me. So, um, yeah. My ball <laughs> and my word. Now it's your ball. The, when I wrote the letter, it was my balls and my word. No more. Yeah. Now it's my ball and my words. Should we do my ball and my vibes? Let's do the vibes. 133 vibes. <laughs> Hit the button, Sam. Damn it. Will you start us off? No, I feel like I've, I'm, I'm, I'm all talked out. All right. I'll start. Um, I'll keep it on the fall issue. Fall issue has just it's just full of heat. It's the best. I think I've said this. I'll say it again. It's the best issue of any magazine ever made. That's that's just objectively <laughs> true. It's just a fact. Uh, I got a lot of stuff I did that I'm super proud of in this in this issue specifically. But one of my favorite things was to go to Paris and hang out with one of my favorite designers, Hater Ackerman. Now I have met and talked to Hater, but I don't know him well. Yeah, he's a bit mysterious. I mean, I, I it's a little redundant for me to ask because I, I, needless to say, have read the piece. Yeah, and I definitely caught a vibe from from that. But like anything that didn't make the piece that that about like just what it's like to hang with Hyder? Um, I mean, one thing, this is just a, a small thing, but one thing you notice when you interview a lot of people is he asked me a lot of personal questions. Yeah. I mean, like he's very much more interested in other people than he is in himself, I think, to some extent. In a way that's it, earnest, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know that that's what I just said is entirely true, but, but you really felt that he genuinely... Uh, he, you know, he's a very private person. He doesn't do a ton of interviews. He doesn't really talk about his personal life much. He did with me, but um, it was clear that he's sort of more interested in the world around him than he is in his himself specifically, right. which kind of makes sense. Um, he's super romantic. He's very charming. His style is incredible. So, that was I the mean, first thing I ever, funnily, like just the photos of him walking around Paris, like after fashion shows, yeah. just kind of like and that's what we ran one in issue number one that's right just as like a tone setter like this is what we think style is um but uh but man we just had an amazing i spent a day with him hung out at his studio which is in paris his hater ackerman the the brand is based in antwerp basically Mm -hmm. he stays in paris um he was just coming off his stint at berluti so So it's like the studio and the his design team is in antwerp all in antwerp Ah. which is just like a couple hours away yep Antwerp is, you know, Raph Simmons is based there. Dries Van Noten is based there. It's a fashion capital, um, and it's a very cheap place to live. It's right. a beautiful city. It's very inexpensive and easy. So lots of designers like to to keep, stay based, and it's super close to Paris, so it's yep. really easy to stay there. Um, man, I wish I had some really good hater nuggets that didn't make Does he make smell it. awesome? Yeah. He looks like he smells good, if He's you know what I'm saying. He's extremely well-groomed. Yeah. Um, and... I just love the pose he hits in that opening photo too. Yeah, it's like I, I, I could open the magazine to that page and look at it and try to recreate that pose, and I would just never look that smooth. Well, so early on when I get there, I get there and he's just got like a stack of Berluti shoe boxes in his office. He's wearing all Berluti, and obviously I'm eager to talk about Berluti, and I'm yeah. like, "Well, you're still wearing all all this Berluti," and he's like, "Of course, why wouldn't I? I designed it. You know, I'm proud <laughs> of all this work." Dude, I just was like, my takeaway from that is if if and when I get clapped from this job or another, <laughs> I hope I do it with the poison grace I mean, that yeah. Hyder had when he got like nudged out, I yeah. guess is the way of, of putting it, It was from I, his job as the designer of Berluti. I mean, that is some like gentlemanly shit oh, if there yeah. ever was any. Yeah, and part and 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 he's going to be around, and he's going to have other jobs, probably other high profile jobs. He sort of alluded to the fact that he would likely take another job, and uh, you know, it it was really refreshing because uh, where there's a lot of changeover in fashion houses, it feels like it's very contentious and yeah. tense and and anxiety making and and catty and like all this shit. And then you meet him, and you're like, no, this is just like. People are figuring things out, you know. Businesses make decisions. And there he was at Kim Jones, sitting front row at Kim Jones' show, yeah. when Kim Jones going to Dior was part of the dominoes right. that led him to yeah. be getting pushed out at Berluti. Yeah. Very gracious. Incredible. Shout out Hyder and shout out Noah v, at Noah V Johnson. This uh, story's dude, online, you, dude. You you've got some like hits in the can in terms of like fashion features. Yeah. 
We've done some good shit. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. Will. Oh, please. <laughs> Give me a fucking break. You just ruined a good moment. <laughs> uh, I'm going with something a little more pedestrian. Yeah. Tomato sandwiches. Whoa. Dude, we are deep in August. <laughs> what are we in England? We are deep in oh, August, and it is tomato sandwich season. It is, yeah. Toast yourself some rye bread. Get yourself the, you know, you know the tomatoes I'm talking about. Heirloom I'm not tomatoes. talking about like a little perfectly round, no. like. Yeah, I'm talking about a gnarly. It should have like weird color, like ombre yeah. fading yeah. color and some weird knots on it. An heirloom tomato. Get a serrated knife, the same one you use to chop two slices of rye bread. Cut yourself like one fat slice of tomato, a little bit of salt on it. Yeah. If you choose a little bit of olive oil, hit the hit the both sides of the bread with some mayonnaise. Yeah. That is like summertime to me. I had that all all weekend long. I haven't been. I haven't. I've not been at the beach enough. I haven't been anywhere but the office enough this summer. Yeah, and maybe some airplanes, some airline terminals. <laughs> but man, when I when when the tomato sandwich hits the lips, yeah. sweet. <laughs> Yo, they're sweet, so, sweet summertime. They are so good. Hey, Sa- hey. Sam Hine with the haircut. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Sam's out there on Shelter Island eating tomato sandwiches. It's the best. Uh yeah, hit your local farmers market. They're their choice right now. Um, I'm gonna damn. All right. Oh, I have a good one. <laughs> this is an appliance vibe. Yes. <laughs> Woo! After, finally, after years of planning uh, with my domestic partner and heated debates, we got a Vitamix. Wow. Yeah. You know what a Vitamix is? I do, but yeah. w- tell me about the debates Vitamix, and who was on which the side. The debates were that my domestic partner wanted a Vitamix, and I said, no, that's ridiculous. Okay. It's a super expensive blender. Yeah. Uh, it's insanely high powered. Supposedly, it's so powerful that if you blend something at the highest setting, it'll heat it into soup. <laughs> so, like, if you put a bunch that of- That is so tight. If you put, <laughs> put a bunch of vegetables in there, just room temp, and just blend the shit out of it on high, it'll get hot, and it'll be vegetable soup. And they won't taste like gasoline. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I, I like- I, I love expensive things, but we had a good blender already. Yeah. Existing. You're so, like, I, how good, I was just like- how, Dear domestic partner, how good does the blender need to be, really? How much are we going to improve our lives? And I always <laughs> wanted a toaster, and she'd never let me have a toaster. Yeah. You know, counter space is pretty always pretty limited in Brooklyn. Anyway, we finally got it um, <laughs> thanks to Amazon Prime Day. Yes. If you missed Huge. out on the Prime Day Vitamix deal, I feel bad for you. 2019 could be your Vitamix year. Yo, the Vitamix changes everything. Tell me. The smoothies are so smooth and so <laughs> easy and satisfying to make. Have you ever accidentally heated up your smoothie? No, I haven't. But I'm early on. We've only I've only been using it for like a week. What's up with the self-cleaning aspect? I don't know. Maybe I haven't even done that. I still wash it in the sink. Am I supposed to put water in it and I clean think, it? I think you can like run it and it'll clean itself. Yeah. Probably. I could be wrong. I got a lot to learn about this thing, but I will we say- We don't have a Vitamix. It is the real deal. It's a sturdy- I mean, it could like power a boat probably about 30 miles an hour <laughs> across a lake. You it's could put like, B in a little canoe and just send her dude, across the lake. The thing is no joke, but I'm fully on board. If you got any good Vitamix um, recipe ideas, soups or smoothies- Catch Noah in the DMs. Catch me in the DMs. At Noah V. Johnson. Uh, my next vibe is Secession. Oh, so good. I was going to do it. Adam McKay TV show. It's pretty good. Um, I haven't watched it all season, so I was- Starring the homie, what's his name? Adam Strong? I don't know. Brian that. Strong? Thomas Strong? Somebody. He was the dude in the big short with the baseball bat. Yeah. One of the best characters in one of the best movies of the last, I don't know, six years. Big Short. Uh, big Short is like, if the Big Short is on the Delta player, I'm watching it every, every time. Every time. Every <laughs> time. And if it's a long flight, I'll just loop it. Yeah. Um, so from some of the people who brought you the big short comes a Manhattan-based TV show, kind of maybe loosely based on the Murdoch family or like a yeah. a, a, a media power family. Yeah. And the father, the, the uh, paterfamilias is at the end of his life. And man. It's warfare. Did you well, have you finished it? I hear that like the no, last I'm episode, episode is like three. a banger. Yeah, I'm on four or five. Yeah, it took me. I, the first one didn't really hook me. I thought it was a little dry. I wasn't like reading the humor in the right way. Uh-huh. I don't know what. It's I, a particular style. Yeah. Have you not seen the Big Short sixty four times? No, I didn't. Yeah, I, okay. I gotta watch it sixty three more times. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that show goes. I'm probably gonna watch a new episode tonight. I definitely. Am. If you want to call me and we can time up our play and then just <laughs> text or DM while it's playing, that would be dope. 
I got some fashion vibes. Um, fashion. The next. All right. Um, the new brand out on the streets. It's it's hitting the shelves now. It's called Affix. A F F I X. Their tag phrase is new utility. It's a crew of dudes from England, including Stephen Mann, a stylist I like a lot. Um, I've, unlike you, I've not officially met Stephen Mann, but I'm going to call him a friend of the pod nonetheless. A, he's a friend of the pod. He's a pretty uh, esoteric fashion guy. He does some really good styling stuff and, and has excellent taste. And he teamed up with his buddy Kiko Kostadinov, who is the designer who has his own label, and um, a couple other guys, including Michael Koppelman, who founded Gimme 5 in like the late 80s, which is a majorly influential. He brought streetwear to the UK. It was sort of like this influential shop and distribution thing in the UK. So they launched this kind of mysterious, um, sort of funny, like new utility is their, is their catchphrase. It's kind of a workwear brand. It's like tees and hats. This hat's from them. I got a red velvet. And like a pen, cap. right? You can get like a pen. Yeah, they did this cool work pen. And then there's some there's some apparel, like there's velvet kind of like work suits and stuff. It's all kind of futuristic Euro workwear feeling. I'm a little like not, don't quite have the words for it yet. It's yeah. sort of unusual. They didn't put out too many pieces. It's developing. It's the kind of thing where like the, like the instructions come on the outside, yeah. right? Yeah. It's a little bit inside out. It's exactly right. Um, it's pretty fly though. I just got a, I got a tee and a hat and, um, the quality seems, I mean, these dudes are obsessed with like details of things like tees and hats. So I've been watching it, but haven't point. like, haven't fully dived in. And, and so I, I don't quite get it yet because I've just yeah. had this very casual relationship. That's very, to that's where it is right now. I think that's kind of like a dope place think, to be cool. yeah. where you're like, this is interesting, but I don't get it yet. Yeah. And you're just tracking. I think it's kind of part of the story. So Now's a good time to get on board. The vibe, uh, my next vibe is the one that I sort of alluded to in the um, the main body of this podcast. Um, no pun intended. And uh, so what happened was post-op, I'm wearing RTH pants mm-hmm. every day. And then I put on an RTH shirt mm-hmm. with it. Uh, RTH makes the best cotton, I guess poplin. Uh-huh. I'm not up on like, I don't know what poplin is, dude. Cotton, like okay. shirting fabric. Okay, the best poplin shirt. Yeah, one of the best that I've ever encountered is RTH. It's got two pocket flaps, just like really dope fit. Uh-huh. Um, I was already, I was of course wearing some RTH pants, and then I put on the RTH poplin with it and my RTH belt that I wear every day. <laughs> and then I was like looking in the mirror, and I was like, I need to like untuck this shirt a little bit, mm-hmm. and so I like kind of like frat tuck what we call in atlanta like frat tuck the like shirt just a little the front bit or just the side nah, or? i just like bloused it out some yeah 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 and it hit me like all of a sudden i was like oh i'm wearing this every day for the rest of the summer yeah just like this yeah and then it hit me that all i had done was style myself exactly as rth styles all these clothes that i bought <laughs> years ago yeah anyway yeah so it's like this weird thing where i'm a huge fan of and just buyer of and wearer of this brand and have been very vocally for many years yeah and then all of a sudden i like stumbled upon wearing it the way that renee himself and that it's meant to be worn yeah and had this like like idiots lightning bolt (laughs) (laughs) you hadn't you mean you hadn't quite done it that way before i had always just put it together my way yeah yeah and and then I didn't realize that I was just styling it the way Renee styles it, but yeah. kind of like stumble, yeah, idiot lightning it. bolt, yeah. And all of a sudden I was like, "This is my future," and so I've just been rocking it that way. And it's interesting because I, for several years, had felt like never quite like myself when I had a collar on, uh-huh. and now. Because of that idiot lightning bolt, now I feel weird in a t-shirt, which I'm wearing today, a t-shirt. The shirts have collars. The, the shirt, shirt is yeah. a standard button-down shirt yeah. with two pockets. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, I feel weird like in a t-shirt. So it was just one of those like, yeah. it was just, you know, there was there was before that happened and after. I just dress differently now than I did two weeks ago. We he, Can we talk to Renee about opening a little place in New York? The thing with RTH, just, man. He needs to be there for it to work? Nah, just patience. It'll happen one day. Patience, dude. <laughs> yeah. Dot com is coming. Yeah. Ecom. Oh, good. He announced it officially. All right. So Cause that shit is maybe just one day in New York. Really I don't really cool. know. You definitely need to. Yeah. All right. But part of it, I'm, I, of course, like want it to come to New York more than anyone, but I also am like, 
I savor. Yeah, getting to go out there yeah. and go to it. That's a good point. And he just completely redid the like bungalow on La Cienega. That oh, is the yeah. shop. When I was whole out there concept, last time, it was closed down. Whole new, whole was, new, just way of being in the space. It's really awesome and a huge improvement. Like total. That's like a, a visionary lightning bolt as opposed to an idiot lightning bolt. <laughs> Renee had a visionary lightning bolt. I had an idiot lightning bolt. This is the way. It, is it still more like that shop life. is sort of like leather craft focused or is it not? That's Last time I was there, it seemed like that shop had all the kind of like crafty leather. It's just one shop know. now. So he's back to one shop, but okay. he's completely reimagined oh, wow. that one. I don't know what's going on. All right. Get, Shout out to Renee. Get the thee crew. to LA. Shout out Renee. Um, I got... I got one more vibe. Take and, us home. Um, it's the the fall clothes are coming in, and I yeah. just can't. It's like <laughs> it's one of those weird things where, as one season ends, you're just like, I'm not like buying clothes. I don't yeah. need new clothes. Oh. I don't care. I've got clothes. There's nothing new. I don't need to look. It doesn't even matter. I'm good. And then late August, whatever. Where are we? August, what? mid-August rolls around, yeah. and the deliveries start hitting, and you're like. Damn it! I I'm going this. in. I'm going in. But my first hold my, my phone. My um, I've never owned like a full velour tracksuit. Man, I've been like dying for one. Did you bottom. find it? I found several. There's a bunch. <laughs> I've got it. I got it figured out. At Noah V Johnson being at Noah V Johnson. Um, one thing is Supreme's gonna have a really good one later this season that yep. I'll probably try to get involved with. Yep. That's not for everybody. The one that is really really dope is from Mon Italy. Amazing. The brand that the Yucatan sort of sister brand. Shout out um, Yuki, friend of the pod. The, I think Magasin has it, and then I saw it somewhere else, but there's like a black one and then a tan sort of camel colored. It's like a velvet matching suit. It's not quite, it's a track suit, but it's, it has a little like different flair on it or whatever. It's this, incredible. This could be my vibe in three, to, like, three to five shipping days. Dude, the solid black <laughs> one, like I don't know what the inseam is like on that thing, but it's so <laughs> dope. Um, What's that? Oh, Sam Hines says it's up. Yucatan? Mon Italy, yeah. right. Sam Hines, Sam Hines Productions says they've got them at Blue and Green. They also did a- What, in East Hampton? In Soho, Blue and Green Soho. Um, anyway, that one is really fly. The one I'm probably going to try to get my hands on is Needles. They did Navy Blue. So the yes. Needles track pants are obviously like a thing everybody wants. Right now for fall, they did navy blue velour with white stripes, and it's just, like, perfect. So I, I think I'm going to go with that kit. I've said it once. I'll say it again. You know, we all got to listen up when Novi Johnson's in research mode. Yeah. It's late August. Fall is coming in. Noah's in research mode. There's jewels here for yeah. you. No, it's coming. It's about to, like, get very – it's about to get heavy. I mean, this isn't a radical one. I feel like velour – I mean, velour and velvet have been popping for a while, and obviously tracksuits have too, but it's – I'm finally just like, all right, I'm getting I, a velour tracksuit this season. Probably a couple of them. But it just hadn't gone wide enough that there was, like, the one. Yeah. It's been bubbling, but there's – you know, at some point you need, like – it needs to bubble over. Yeah, And we're there now, and now yeah. there's joints. Yeah, as opposed joints. to like yeah. an idea and um i saw an adidas out there just a main line like cheaper adidas i think it's burgundy i wouldn't it wouldn't wasn't for me it had like the slim pant that that people yeah, do with yeah, the elastic yeah. bottom yep. that i don't like that's it. for a lot of people like, but not no tighter around the calves I, I, that's not for me but i liked the color it was like a burgundy Sam, this podcast, need, we need some fin, feminine. We've been talking about my balls the whole fucking time. This needs some feminine energy. Let's take it out with another Amanda Shire song. We'll see you guys very soon.